0: Welcome to SciSection. We are here today with Dr. Spiros Michalakis, who is a mathematical physicist working for Caltech and also a science advisor to Hollywood, famously known for introducing the quantum realm to the Marvel universe. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Michalakis.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: To start, we do have a quick round of rapid fire questions so that our listeners can learn some interesting facts about you. Sounds good. So first question, which Marvel character would you choose to be?
1: Um, Obviously I have an affinity towards Ant-Man given my relationship with uh, the character, um, my, uh, I guess, one-sided friendship with Paul Rudd and uh, yeah, and uh, working with uh, the team on uh, the first and the second uh, movie.
0: And let's say you've created the world's first time machine. What time period would you travel to?
1: I guess I'm going to give a boring answer that I would actually just travel one second to the future.
0: One second to the future. That's it. I
1: really, I really like, uh, you know, uh, where we are currently, despite all the struggles.
0: And let's also say that you've just won the lottery. What would you do with the money?
1: I would create scholarships um, for for kids in uh, Los Angeles and, uh, you know, for undergraduate and graduate students, um, universities across like uh, California and hopefully like, you know, the nation.
0: That's very kind of you to do. And I know a lot of students would truly appreciate that as well. And if you could own any object in the universe, what would you choose?
1: I love feta cheese. I'm Greek. I really love feta cheese. So I think it would be a goat. You know, if I had a space to have a goat, we could have infinite supply of feta cheese. That would be enough for me.
0: A unique and a great answer. (laughs) And for our last question, if you could meet any scientist dead or alive, who would you choose?
1: That's an easy one. I've been privileged to already meet some of my heroes of science. In fact, work some of them like John Preskill at Caltech, so I think I am set. The nice thing though about science is that we get to to hear from the ghosts of uh, you know individuals like Einstein and Hawking through their papers, so that's really wonderful.
0: For sure, and now before we discuss all the amazing things that you do today, I was wondering if you could give a summary of your educational path and what your interests were during your studies.
1: That's, uh, yes, certainly. So I grew up in the middle of three brothers, um, in a small town outside of Athens, Greece named Spata. I, um, I loved math since I was a little kid because my grandmother would just give me like this, this, uh, math, uh, puzzles I had to solve in my head. And then at some point I really wanted to understand how she was doing some magic with, uh, guessing numbers that I had in my head. So, um, I tried to, you know, to explore mathematics, and then as part of the, the math Olympiad, uh, you know, in the Greek team, national team. Then I moved to MIT, which my dad kept calling MIT because he does not speak English. Uh, so that, that was fun. But I was there with my brothers. Again, we ended up just moving like nomads from one place to another, one together. And I really had a great time. I studied mathematics with computer science. It was a lot of fun. Then I moved to uh, UC Davis to actually continue with a PhD in mathematics, applied mathematics, but more towards bioinformatics, right? You know, the science behind using biology and information theory. But when I was there, I could not find for the life of me the uh, the man that was supposed to be my advisor. And so I ended up just going to the head of the math department, who just became my new advisor after he told me that he was going to teach me all about quantum teleportation. And that was back in 2003, when things were like quantum computing was not really a big deal yet. But that did it for me. And then I ended up studying physics, which I had not in the past, um, and quantum physics specifically. And then I went to Los Alamos National Lab for my postdoc. And after that, I moved to Caltech. And I've been at Caltech for about 10 years now.
0: Wow. Now, moving on to what you do today, could you tell our listeners about your careers and the cool projects that you've been a part of?
1: So as far as my research is concerned, what I've been looking into is very esoteric. Uh, I am delving into the foundations of physics, quantum physics in particular. So this is what I've been working on as far as my uh, um, research uh, direction goes. As far as the outreach direction, uh, there's so many different projects. One of them is, um, you know, working with uh, a good friend of mine, Chris Cantwell, on a game, the first real you know, quantum game um, that is also fun to play, which is called like Quantum Chess. Um, I ended up making a video with uh, Paul Rudd and Stephen Hawking narrated by Keanu Reeves to try to like introduce this, uh, this game Quantum Chess to the world back in 2016. So that was a lot of fun, that went viral. So we uh, recently collaborated with Google and the team that is uh, building their actual quantum computer. And we played the game of quantum chess on the quantum computer. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but beyond that, I keep uh, you know, busy with consulting for, uh, for other Hollywood movies. Uh, some of them will be coming out soon, like Bill and Ted Face the Music, um, and other ones that are like further ahead in the future.
0: And I know that you've been obviously involved with a lot of movies, especially from the Marvel Universe. So could you possibly mention some of the movies that you've been involved in and what your influence was?
1: So my my first interaction with the Marvel Cinematic Universe outside of just going to watch the movies like everyone else was when I was uh, flown out to Atlanta, Georgia, at Pinewood Studios to um, consult on Ant-Man. Uh, I honestly didn't know at the time who Ant-Man was, uh, you know, and I was wondering why I was unlucky enough to be stuck with Ant-Man instead of Iron Man or Thor or Hulk or, you know, one of the bigger dudes. Um, but I ended up uh, spending uh, hours with, with everyone involved, like making the movie and especially with Paul Rudd, who was asking me so many great questions nonstop um, about quantum physics and what happens when you shrink and all that stuff. And, and then that led, you know, as you mentioned earlier, to uh, introducing the quantum realm. To you know, through Ant-Man to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then later on consulting on the sequel Ant-Man and the Wasp, Um, and then you know, I end up writing some of the lines for uh, you know for characters like Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas, and Laurence Fishburne when they talk about quantum stuff. Um, So that was a lot of fun, and I was surprised that Marvel would allow me anywhere near the script or, or the minds of the writers and the producers. Um, but they did, and they have been amazing in that respect. And since then, I had the the pleasure of meeting uh, Brie Larson and uh, having dinner with her and discussing, like, also the fact that I, unbeknownst to her, I had worked on um, the first draft of Captain Marvel itself. And uh, if I had my way, um, and maybe this would still happen, she would have been a, a quantum physicist, uh, you know. Turned quantum cryptographer who was working at the Air Force also as an Air Force pilot. Um, Which also goes back to your question before. Honestly, if I could really be anyone, my favorite character personally is Captain Marvel. Um, You know, yeah, very empowering, very awesome. And also, Brie herself is a really wonderful human being.
0: And just in general, how much of the science in these movies would you say is
1: accurate? That's a a good question. I mean, you know, it's as accurate as. First, at the first level, they, uh, they will let us make it. And then at the second level, and more important to me, and more honest, at least as far as I'm concerned, whenever I've consult- consulted, how accurate I want it to be. I would much rather engage the next generation um, with uh, emotionally than intellectually, because I believe that if you can achieve the first, then the second one follows without you having to hold anyone's hand.
0: Definitely. And I mean, all your projects and all these incorporations of science into different aspects of life really has made science more entertaining. And it's shown the entertaining side of science. And I feel like in that way, you've made science more inclusive to the general public as well. So that does bring me to ask you, why do you think it is important for the general public to engage with science?
1: I think there's my my answer is going to be unique in this respect. Um, I don't see science as the panacea, right? As the the place everyone has to go to to see the world um, in its true hues. You know, to me, it's important to realize, even as scientists, that the place from where science begins is a very tenuous place. It's not a collection of facts. It is a fun journey, right? That allows you to expand your mind, even though as a scientist, you're just like every other human being who thinks that like the world should be this way until you have the integrity to allow for the possibility that it's not that way. And even though it hurts at the moment when you find out you were wrong, right? The pleasure of finding things out is so much more rewarding that you learn to let go, right? Of any control you thought you had over how the universe is supposed to work.
0: That's a really great answer that I personally never really thought of. And just because we are a bit short on time, I do have one final question for you. What advice would you give to undergraduate students listening to the show right now?
1: I would say you should have fun. Um, there is there is a lot of pressure to to be great, to do great things, right? To to compete and all these things. And there is value to that as well. To you know to go through trials, right, in life, to grow, to become strong so you can support others also, to become something larger than just yourself. But you just try to have as much fun as possible, including, like, making friendships, right, and understanding other points of view while you're, uh, you know, going through your studies, especially during this time where you may not be able to also be physically, like, you know, close. But in my mind, relationships and friendships are much more important than even the pursuit of truth.
0: And that does bring us to the end of this interview. Dr. Mikalakis, thank you once again for joining us today and for highlighting the entertaining side of science. And for everyone listening, make sure to check out SciSection's podcasts available on global platforms for our latest interviews.